Achieve Your Own Fit podcast with Pete and Jamie L. Jacobs. We're here to explore the changes that you can expect when changing your diet as health fitness and well-being coaches. We are really passionate about seeing our clients thrive on nutritional changes and lifestyle changes. So we're just going to take you through a roadmap of what you can expect when you change your diet. Um, we find clients ex- uh, do see some um, different symptoms. Sometimes they're a little bit scared and they don't want to go on, but thank goodness they do go on and we just want to make sure that you're not making those common mistakes that so many people do. You put one foot in front of the other and you continue your health and wellness journey. Yeah, so this is a thing that comes up all the time that basically your your gut and your body and everything is in a certain pattern and with the way that you've been eating. And we're just going to talk about a few of those things that are affected when you change. Even if it's for the healthier change, sometimes that feels really terrible. And those are the symptoms that we're going to talk about today to make it clear for you why it's starting to feel bad, even if you're eating healthier foods. And sometimes what you think is healthier foods is not actually healthier for you. But we need to define first what it means when we say a healthy diet, our version of a healthy (laughs) diet. Yeah, so our version is lots of nutrient-dense, high-quality foods. So that means quality proteins in the forms of meat, fish and eggs. Uh, You're looking at, you know, um, yummy vegetables in the forms of your greens and your lower-carbohydrate vegetables And then in terms of um, fats, unoxidized fats that aren't inflammatory and um, that are full of lots of good omega-3 anti-inflammatory properties. So if you don't currently eat meat, fish and eggs, like as your primary source of protein and fats at the majority of your meals, um, and maybe you've tried it before and said, no, I can't go on, um, or maybe you are trying it now and are not feeling comfortable making those changes and adding in more of those proteins, um, here's some of the reasons why that might be happening. Well, well, some of the symptoms I find people can experience are very much so some bloating and discomfort, perhaps when they're reintroducing some meat back into their diets, especially if they're having something like a steak or a chicken breast. It's not necessarily slow-cooked and doesn't have much liquid to it, so they can experience dislike of the taste, indigestion, bloating. Their bowel movements may be um, either infrequent or more frequent. They may have gas, skin issues, aches and pains, or they may gain weight. Pete can explain a little more now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, first I just want to take a step back and say if you have got any issues of anything less than absolutely perfect health, which I'd be surprised to meet somebody who had absolutely perfect health. Um, I have perfect health. (laughs) (laughs) Then you you need to understand that the big picture means that if you haven't got perfect health, then all your cells and hormones are also a little less than perfect as well because everything is connected. So always think about the big picture view and everything coming to understanding your health and what matters is going to be much, much easier to understand and less anxious and less kind of wasting your time focusing on the small little things. If you've got less than perfect health, there's a good chance your digestion is going to be less than perfect also. But there's so many layers to what that means. 
that could mean that your gut microbiome is totally imbalanced and it's all around the sugars um, that you've been eating and your gut microbiome just have expanded and grown based on sugar. So you've got that type of uh, bacteria in your gut. Um, Other things may be that you haven't been eating your, well, because your health is out of whack, you may not also have a good functioning liver, good functioning gallbladder either. And that means you're not going to digest fats very well. You also may not be producing good hydrochloric acid, so you won't digest the proteins very well. Um, You also might be experiencing leaky gut because of high levels of some plant toxins. Plant compounds can also cause autoimmune reactions. You may also have a histamine intolerance. Um, You may also have reactions or deficiencies caused by some of those plant Mm -hmm. toxins like oxalates, lectins, phytic acids, enzyme inhibitors, inhibitors, uh, tannins, fibre, and the plant list does keep going on and on, Um, sulfates. And then there's an intolerance or complete inability to digest what some humans can, such as dairy, um, dairy A1, A2, casein, and lactose, the dairy sugar, or you may be experiencing a really imbalance of electrolytes and be really lacking in magnesium and sodium as well. Um, so these are some of the things that could be causing you to feel fatigued, physical pain, discomfort, bloating, all the things Jane mentioned before. And I'll just add in the overtraining. So if someone's doing a lot of high-intensity training or a lot of training in the heat and sweating a lot, they'll experience all of the above um, symptoms that Pete just spoke about. Yeah, so maybe we'll just go into like a a case study and just say, hey, let's imagine John um, and he's a guy who likes to train quite solid but he's also been on a fairly high-carbohydrate diet. He's ended up not eating much fruit, uh, much uh, protein over the last several years. Maybe it's just because... Um, his family also doesn't eat it, which is always a big influencer, and he's just fallen into that habit as well. So, mm. when you're eating more processed carbohydrates, like basically I the had less a client like this. All oh, right, yeah. Basically, he, he was snacking on a lot of fruit each day. He was having mm. panic attacks, so he's addicted to um, fruit. He had to stop training, doing the uh, you know the Ironman and seventy point three distances because he had such bad IBS and digestive issues. Wow. Yeah. So. so Perfect. We have got a case done. <laughs> so you imagine now that um, he's, we say to him, okay, you really need to start increasing your vitamins and minerals because that is the point of food. Food is for the vitamins and minerals and the proteins and fats that are essential for our body to repair and rebuild. Carbohydrates are totally not essential for our life, but we do need proteins and fats and the vitamins and minerals. So that is why we eat and that is what we need to get from our food. And the less of those things that you need, those essential things that we need, the less of them you eat, you do end up eating more of the other. So is it that the other thing is worse or is it just that the other thing is replacing the good thing? And it's definitely both. Like you can't separate one without the other. It's a cofactor thing. And everybody's going to be different with what happens. So let's say for for this guy, John, for example, that... (laughs) Um, we then say, okay, you need to start eating more protein and you need to get that high level of iron. You need to rebuild your iron because your iron's levels are low. Um, He would have found that out through a blood test. Um, And 
So then he starts to have it and he says, oh, it's, it's quite hard to digest and I'm not feeling so good. And one of the reasons why that's happening is the hydrochloric acid is not being produced because of his current state of poor health and stress. So stress is poor health, poor health is stress. It's your body and your cells not doing what they should do and reacting and connecting and communicating in the way that they should. So his body's not producing the hydrochloric acid. Um, and a lot of people actually think that um, like acid reflux is too much acid in your stomach. It's actually the opposite. It's not enough to digest the food and then therefore you get other flow-on reactions that it can't go into the um, down to the next level and the next layer and get digested as it should all the way through to your bowel. So we can think about that. Okay, we go, okay, well, now you just take a little bit of time of backing off your carbohydrates and processed foods and the high fruit intake so that your gut microbiome change a little bit over time, like down in your intestinal level. The hydrochloric acid layer will improve as your liver function improves with less alcohol, less um, fructose and sugars and a healthier lifestyle, less stress, better sleep, better hormone balance over time with everything else improving like sleep protocols and those sort of factors um and over time then gallbladder kicks in as well to help digest the fats and so on and so on this is waterfall cascade effect of how one thing improves and it improves the next and the reverse is also true unfortunately as one thing falters the next thing falls apart and so on and so on so we're always in a I always think of us, we're, we're always in a negative cycle and everything's kind of impeding the next thing or we're in a positive cycle and each thing is working as it should and switching on the next step of our body and function. So I think a few mistakes I see a lot of people make when they decide to change their diet and do something more towards a whole food, real food, lower carbohydrate type protocol is they won't be really diligent with electrolytes and have an electrolyte pro protocol. So that's something that we really, really work with our clients on and with our John, our fictional character that's really a real character of mine, um, really, really dialing in things like, you know, your sodium and making sure you're having that sea salt throughout the day or any salt tablets in training and your magnesium and your potassium and some other supplements um, that we won't so much go into today. Um, but you've got to be really on top of that otherwise you will feel fatigued when you're taking the carbohydrates out of your diet but you've also got to make sure that your fitness programming is on key too because um, I worked with uh, this fellow with John's coach at the time and just made sure that we did more aerobic based foundational type um, building block stages while he was transitioning from a sugar burner more into that fat burning uh, athlete sort of stage so you don't want to be stressing your body out asking for it to do something it hasn't done before and putting stress on it with your workouts and then putting stress on it with the lifestyle change awesome yeah and um one point on supplements that i had written down and i will mention it is supplements are often something you need to do by feel so magnesium you can kind of just take daily and sodium daily but how much and is can be done by feel as well but a lot of your other supplements are also just mainly by feel because the science isn't always there and it's not you that the science did the research on. It's a few people in another country at another time and they didn't have your lifestyle and they didn't eat what you ate. So supplemental research is quite tricky to base your protocol on. Um, it's 
a good thing though to now every now and then go, okay, if I take this, do I feel better or did I not feel better? Um, so that's an easy one. Thing, things like the sodium, so your sea salt and your magnesium are very easy. You want to be, if, if you're low on magnesium, you want to at least be having around 600 ma- uh, milligrams of magnesium. Mm. And then that's, maintenance well, that's dose, the upper end. Yeah, yep. a maintenance dose of around 400 and be really mm. diligent with that. And then with your sodium, um, yeah, make sure you're being diligent with one to two mm. teaspoons of your sea salt. We know today. of a few people that have had... Um, atrial fibrillation, so their heart rate's gone incredibly high uh, and they've found out in that they were, well, they know what they were doing. They were training incredibly hard. They were working hard. They were sweating a lot. They were drinking alcohol. Um, and then they had this atrial fibrillation and it comes back to uh, electrolyte uh, yeah. deficiency mm-hmm. um, always, so particularly magnesium. So you don't want to get magnesium down uh, particularly if you're going to be sweating a lot and mm. you don't want to get atrial fibrillation, which mm. nobody really does. I want to bring up another, well, a fictional character, Sally. And <laughs> this is actually a, a client that I had who was a guy, um, had this issue, but we'll say, this is, but we'll say this yeah. is Sally. And um, so raw green smoothies. So he, was, he came to me when he was already been low carb for a long time. He'd spent time in South Africa, which has been around for the low carb banting uh, protocols for, for many, many, many years. And so he'd been into it a long time. But he hadn't lost the weight. He was training pretty well. And, I, you know, I didn't want to push the green smoothie and cutting it out because green smoothies can be so high in so many of these plant toxins that can be causing inflammation. Um, but it turned out that he actually got a gastro bug at some, from somewhere, so he couldn't really eat anything. And I basically that was the time where we went, all right, well, don't go back on the green smoothie. Stop having the coconut milk and the smoothie and the protein powder. Just get back into real food and basically just, you know, basic meat and basic meat and basic veg. I think he didn't even cut, put the veg back in. Um, he has now a little bit, but he felt absolutely amazing once he cut out that mm. raw green smoothie. And that's a big thing because the lectins and oxalates are such high levels in things like raw spinach, raw broccoli. They do decrease a little bit when you cook them, but it's still one of those things where you can be easily overdoing it thinking that you're doing something really good for yourself and it actually may be still doing you a lot of uh, negative response in your body. So that's something that can change. Um, So let's imagine the gut microbiome, back to that, and how that changes as our diet changes. So as you cut out sugars and you start eating more proteins and fats, that you can't change your gut microbiome by taking a couple of tablets of you know blastocystis or, or no the um or you know the good stuff the blastocystis is my notes of the bad stuff that I had a bad bacteria, um, which I never got rid of as far as I know but I feel amazing and my poos have never been better despite the years and years of getting poo tests and naturopaths telling me to take this and antibiotics for that and. Oh, I still had it. But anyway, it's no longer an issue. My guts are no longer an issue because I changed what I was eating and that changed what bacteria was in my gut. So it's very difficult to think, I just want to eliminate this whole bacteria and I should just get rid of it when really it's no, let's change what I'm eating so the bacteria changes. 
don't work the other way around, which is what I was doing from all this medical advice several or 15 years ago up until even just sort of five years Mm. ago or four years ago, I was still getting told to go do those same stool Mm. tests. And just back to Sally, uh, because Sally's a real client, Sally actually went on to have his best ever Ironman. Dropped so much weight. He dropped 16 kilos, four inches around his waist and he went back to feeling like he did in his 20s or even fitter than his 20s and he's just getting better and better as he gets older, fitter and faster. Awesome. So, yeah, that was really exciting to just – it was so easy and it clicked for him and and it will for everybody else once you kind of get to that point of – I need to test this and I need to test that and understand that it's not always going to feel amazing the first time you have something that you haven't eaten in a while. And likewise, having a, you know, having three or four days where you just eat junk food and alcohol and all of that can actually impact you for quite a long time. Can't expect to have one day off um, training you know, on the Monday and get back into it feeling amazing on the Tuesday. It can really alter a lot of things in your body and cause a lot of inflammation that can last for weeks. Um, and so there are things that can change in a few days. There are things that can change in two weeks is a really good time frame, hence why we do our first initial elimination protocol is two weeks long. And then we go from there depending on, as we're talking about, the layers that we uncover as our clients progress. And it may take a year and it may take two years to get rid of oxidized fats which hang around in your cells and basically you've got to wait for those cells to get replaced naturally over time. And, but there are certain things you can do to help that speed, speed up that replacement of cells, um, autophagy, and there's a few things you can do to improve that. Mm-hmm. And so it's also something that becoming really fat adapted can happen for people in a few days. And then to get more fat adapted is a few weeks and better fat adapted is a few months. And then really, really well Mm -hmm. fat adapted is maybe a year and a half or even longer um, because there's not just, oh, switch on the fat and the fat is now my fuel. There's a lot of other cofactors that are also there to produce energy. And that's when we come back to the vitamins and minerals being so important for energy because they are cofactors for the production of energy. So that's why you eat food. You eat food for the cofactors of of energy and cell signaling. You don't eat carbohydrates to give you that rocket fuel because that's not how it works. Um, You give your bodies the vitamins and minerals and the proteins and fats so you get that everlasting ability to produce great amounts of energy in your mitochondria Mm -hmm. all the time. So, yeah, those, those other it pathways. It doesn't mean that you never, when Pete's talking about this, it doesn't mean mm. that you never eat fruit ever again. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. each, everyone is totally different. And I still some, have a, some. Yeah, some people might eat, you know, an apple and they won't necessarily have a big blood sugar glucose spike. Mm. Another person may eat an apple and they'll experience a bigger spike. So everyone's, it is, is very individual. So there, I was just, there's lots of 
other chemical reactions that go mm. into producing energy. So it's not just vitamins and minerals, but then there's all these other chemicals that create energy through those fat pathways that get improved over time. That's why it can take a long time. But um, while yep. we're on the blood sugar level, so that just helps with someone wanting to feel good throughout the day. So we're talking about, you know, when you change your diet, often you can feel quite lethargic, quite fatigued, quite tired, but you can change that by thinking, okay, what foods are going to spike my blood sugar levels even more? Um, I'll stay away from those foods. And so you'd be staying away from things like, you know, your white potatoes, your sweet potato, your breads, your pastas, your your lollies. Um, and you'd be sticking more towards everything we've been talking about, your healthy fats and your proteins, just to make sure you've got that consistent energy throughout the day. And not spiking hormones along with the blood sugar. Mm. So I think we've covered the main things. Like we could go more into the problems of um, plants inhibiting absorption. So not only do they not have many available Mm. nutrients um, like in them, so spinach has non-heme iron and the spinach then itself inhibits the absorption of that non-heme iron. So (laughs) you're kind of eating something thinking you get the iron but the plant itself is inhibiting the iron absorption. So... Iron's a really good thing to test and, you know, you can be also become the phytic acid in, in a lot of seeds and nuts can also inhibit um, the absorption of uh, phosphorus, iron and zinc, magnesium and calcium. So some really crucial minerals there um, that be, do become a bit of an issue. So basically I hope we've covered everything that we <laughs> wanted to around there's so many layers to why some things that you think are healthy are not healthy and why some things that are healthy will feel unhealthy when you first change over to that, to our version of a healthy diet and you need to get those proteins and fats back in. So there's quite a few things that you just have to stick it out. So when you're lowering carbohydrates, your body will start to get healthier straight away. All of those organs work better and healthier in a low <clears throat> low blood glucose, low insulin state. So when blood sugars are high, insulin then goes up, all your organs are under stress and don't function as well. So those are the things that are going to help to digest fats and proteins and help you absorb the minerals and vitamins lower down in your intestines without those a large amount of um plant toxins so just keep in mind the moderation what makes you feel good and and then at the same time if it doesn't make you feel good but it's you know it's the healthier path then you do just have to stick it out for a little while and there's changes you can make so I definitely if you haven't had red meat for a while I wouldn't be having a barbecued steak I'd be having a slow cooked brisket or some or some lamb shanks or mints it's going to be much easier for you to digest And it's also, as we mentioned, the the taste of things as Mm. well, getting your taste back for those foods, changing your taste from loving sugar sweet stuff to liking the taste of meat. And, I mean, I personally don't eat a lot of steak because I love mushy food. (laughs) So I love mince. I love slow-cooked meats. Um, You know, I love my tinned salmon mashed up with a bit of balsamic. I love mushy Mm. foods. And um, so... Just go with what you enjoy and uh, find the best version of the healthiest foods that you enjoy and Mm. that you can tolerate well at this point in your journey. 
because it's always going to change. And my journey has changed a hell of a lot. There was a time where histamines even were a problem. So aged meat was out and even also um, fats was a and problem. And you couldn't have fish either. Much fat, canned yeah, fish. canned fish was high histamine. And fats would go straight through me. Mm. Um, you know, a- any fat would go straight through me. And now I, I, no matter what I eat, no matter how much fat or how much protein, um, everything's just regular ads. So <laughs> things do take time is, our, is what we're trying to get across here. But you always get some feedback. So I'll just leave you with feedback that you can see if what you're eating is working after a couple of weeks, your skin will clear up. So any blemishes that you had, especially around that hormone area of your chin, that will clear up. You won't feel so irritable. There's always feedback. You're going to be a lot happier as well. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Jane. And your aches and pains will disappear and your indigestion and bloating will go away if you're eating what you should be eating. And like we said, once you're adapted though, there's that clause, once you're adapted. So give it time if you're putting the proteins back in because you cannot live without those essential proteins and essential fats. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Pete. Good job, Jane. (laughs) 